not this tweet from Justin Bourne's golf Twitter account because he feels like he needs to separate his golf tweets into its own account. Uh, so know. he can tweet out all caps. It's Masters Week! Yeah, at like I seven. Oh. oh, we all <laughs> yeah. needed that. Thank goodness. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. No, he couldn't have put Justin that. He, golf account. He couldn't have put that on his hockey account. God forbid. People would have <laughs> They would have been so confused. What's happening here? Is this a hockey account or no? Stick to hockey. Anyways, yeah. this, <laughs> this was the tweet last night. I was like, yeah. oh. All right, we got to grind it out tomorrow. Just an astonishingly unremarkable Leafs-Flames game. Aside from the question, does Austin Matthews only have two or maybe three sticks made up per game unless he's broken just a whole fleet of them here? That seems odd. All right, Bourne. <sighs> <laughs> Since then, <laughs> have you have you made some stuff up about that game? I just I can't even believe I still do this show sometimes. <laughs> <It> is, <laughs> we're all shocked. <laughs> like, like I was up at like six in the morning to do breakfast TV with Sid Sixero. It's my kid's birthday. Like Happy wake birthday, up, like, kid. What are, what is happening? Yeah. Uh, what did you even ask me? Have I made hey, anything up Justin. with the No. Ask a question. Hey, good, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Justin. Your your tweets suck, and so do you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Holy boy. <laughs> uh, hey. Oh, man, that was good. No. Um, yeah, just uh, Masters. Hey, it's Masters week. You're excited. We're happy for yeah. you to I'm be excited so excited. Too. You're not excited. Ben's taking Friday off on Masters, like Masters week. He's Mr. Golf. He just takes Friday off, and I say, wow, you're going to take Masters Friday off? And he goes, oh, there's always something every week is what he said. Not the Masters. This from the guy who used to take the Thursday, Friday of March Madness off so he could go to the bar and watch it. What do you think I'm going to do on Friday? What's going to be part of my day on Friday? But our show is the Masters. Yes. Our show is before coverage starts. Listen, Mike Mike Sigamanis took the first three weeks of hockey season off after a <laughs> pandemic. Uh, none of us worked hockey. It was the mo- so you guys do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a little upset. I am excited for Master. We have to have you on again actually this week just to do a little bit more of this because I I sneaky have a good chunk of Leafs things despite it uh, being a bit of a slog. I started the show with just simply this because we'll talk about the power play and goaltending and a couple of other things, but. We started the show discussing how it's really hard to take things away from games against the teams that are not going into the playoffs, right? Yeah. There, there was something said during the broadcast last night where it was, well, Calgary's basically got to run the table at this point. And then I looked Two at the losses. standings and said, <laughs> yeah. I, I said, yeah, they do. They, they got to run the table to get into the playoffs. This thing's done. So when you face the Flames... I can't imagine you're going to get really strong efforts from guys that have solidified spots in the NHL. Same goes for whatever the Vancouver games look like. Ottawa always sneaky pushes them and and does play hard, but ultimately this Leafs team has checked the boxes as of late. They can play this style of hockey, they can play it well, and they're better than the teams in this division. So outside of stuff like health, right? Because, of course, that's the most important. Outside of whoever this winger is going to be that they acquire at the deadline or whatever they end up doing there, and we'll get into that, is there something in particular that you care about when you watch these games that you look at and say, hey, I'd like to see this tonight or this is actually going to matter to me in what is genuinely starting to feel like exhibition games? Yeah, no, I don't disagree. It is really challenging to not just draw information out of it, but to, well, and they probably suffer from this a little bit too as players, but totally. like care, care entirely. How do you like, care? 
Yeah. So it's it's a weird time of year. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, the, the flames are pretty much cooked. Uh, and by the way, I wonder if they're going to start selling. Like, is Johnny going to Gaudreau going to get traded here at some point? But I, I, I guess it. what I want to watching that game a couple of weeks ago. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I think it's like bottom six right now. Like right now, they're using really specific deployment of their bottom six. So they have. Um, Thornton and Kerfoot and Spezza as a unit mm-hmm. who, as a group so far, are starting in the offensive zone about 90% of their shifts. And then they have the other group of Engvall, Mikheyev, and uh, Simmons who are starting in the D zone about 90% of the time. So they've decided that this is the way that they're going to deploy the bottom six. And for me, it's like... You couldn't convince me with a season's worth of games that Engvall, Simmons, and uh, Mikheyev are a defensive line you're going to trust in the playoffs against anyone. Like, you're going to put them in the D zone out against Connor McDavid? You're going to put them out there against Connor and Ehlers and Shifley? Like, I just, that can't be the plan. So I guess I want to see what what happens there, because I just don't believe that's going to work. You know, I I meant to tweet this because I'm... I can be hard on Kerfoot sometimes or sound very hard on Kerfoot because I do believe he's overpaid by quite a bit, especially considering this team, right? Maybe he's a $3.5 million player on someone else's team. I don't think so. Part of it is the pandemic, flattening the cap. There's a whole bunch of circumstances. So sometimes it does feel unfair. I thought he played really well on Friday night. He, he was just very noticeable to me. And I actually have liked him a little bit more with those guys. He's fit there. But to me, this just comes back to the same issue over and over again, which is Engvall is playing too high up your lineup and has too big of a role because Kerfoot can't do the thing that he's supposed to do, which is anchor a third-line center unit. Yeah, yeah, that was supposed to be the the thing this year, right? Was, was yeah. having Kerfoot. I actually think if we went back and listened to our shows before the season, and we, uh, I actually remember the question was was what what is like the most important thing for the Leafs this season? I think mm-hmm. my answer was Kerfoot. What's Kerfoot going to be? Is Kerfoot a guy who can make you feel good about your bottom six and anchor a third line and yada yada yada? Uh, the answer is, seems to be no. No, I will say I'm with you that I really like him with Spezza and Thornton starting yeah. the offensive zone. They're fun, noticeable, yeah, noticeable, and like they can. He's also more noticeable because he skates so much faster than those other two guys. And <laughs> I had so that true. realization where I said, "Wow, he's really flying out there right now." And it's, "Oh yeah, right," because he's next to the two slowest guys on the team. But still, he's looked good. He's looked good. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's fun, and I imagine that's a fun game. Like he says. In practice, like Thornton, had, he's putting their line through drills separate from the team, and like they communicate a bunch, and it's probably a ton of fun. But like reality isn't playing 14 minutes a night starting in the ozone and playing with legends in exhibition pace hockey. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's what the Leafs are looking trying to get from him. Okay, so do we believe that? Man, I hate to do this, but do we believe that it's actually become more of a priority to try and find that third-line center who can just play responsible defensive hockey than it is anything else at this point? Like, not like maybe this is setting you up for your thing too, because we can discuss it here as well. Because the deadline's getting close, man. We're it's it's a week away, right? It's next Monday. Yep. Yeah, so we're a week away. Yeah, so that I mean, that's probably probably the answer. I think the concern right now, if you're the Leafs, is like. How many teams are absolutely delusional? And that uh, by that I mean like the Predators suddenly hear like they're not sure they're going to sell. And it's like Columbus is making a push. They're not sure they're going to sell. It's like, what do you mean? Am I taking crazy pills? What, do they think they're going to win a Stanley Cup? No. 
they're trying to get home playoff games in front of 10% fans capacity like this is the year that teams even close to the bubble should be like of course we're maximizing assets no one's in the building it's a weird year let's just get out of here and take you know a bunch of picks I can't even believe it but someone like Mikhail Granlin who would be great to have someone like Nick Foligno who would be great to have uh, it's just like are these teams going to sell now and that makes me want to pull my hair out well, maybe yeah. we should be talking about Johnny Goudreau, and Leafs fans would probably hate to hear this, and I bet you that Calgary is less inclined to give him up if they're keeping Sutter, but Derek Ryan would be a guy that you would say, hey, Toronto was interested in him in the past. I can't remember if it was he's still cheap. He's cheap, and you would think that it wouldn't cost that much and that Calgary's out of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, that's that's a good point. You know, I think what may end up happening here is disappointing, but almost necessary and that's the the goaltending thing that you know I know that we will get to um but like they may end up having to get someone who can just be a healthy goaltender because they don't trust that Jack Campbell or Freddie Anderson can do it and all of a sudden you need cap space and assets for that and then you end up going yeah and we fix the problem with Derek Ryan <laughs> yeah I think the cap space from everything I've understood and I'm not a capologist so I just defer to people who look into the numbers apparently the numbers are easy enough to finagle especially if Kerfoot's going the other way but if there's if it's just addition and there's no subtraction from the actual roster I mean there's only one guy that's an obvious removal from this lineup right now and I guess it's Ingvall unless you are to the point where you're and it's not Spezza like it's 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 either Thornton or it's or it's, JT or it's loves right? Spezza. Spezza. have you had the chat <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm obsessed with Jason Spezza. Who's not? This, well, I would be – if you went back in a time machine to 06 me, Mike you oh, jumped yeah. into the time machine. You went back to 2006, and you went to Heart and Crown in Ottawa, and you sat down at the table with a – actually, someone with hair pretty similar to what I got going on right now. And you said, yo, um – you're going to be obsessed with Jason Spezza. And he was go, of hating him? We're there, baby. We're right there. <laughs> we, we hate him so much. Oh, do we hate him so. And then future me goes, no, man, he's maybe your favorite player in the whole NHL. And you go, no, this can't be. What's happened to us? What happened? And you, you, only a pandemic-fueled dystopia would have such a future for me. I I once was cleared out of my favorite bar in Ottawa because Jason Spezza felt the need to have the whole area to himself with um a, a companion <laughs> and I remember as I was being escorted out of this bar fury and thinking I'm going to hate this guy forever. <laughs> I'm going to hate this guy forever. How dare you think you need this whole space to yourself? And the bouncers thinking that they were his best friends were like, get out, get out of here. He spats, we're clearing out, clear guys out of here. Thinking, yes, he's not going to be your friend. He's not going to be your friends. You're bouncers, you're losers. Nobody likes you except for other bouncers. That's the. <laughs> that's what being a bouncer is. Yeah, I... I I think Spets is one of the most important players, not just from a off-ice standpoint, I think on-ice too. And I, I just watch him play every single night, and he's the guy where we, if we talk about consistent efforts from people where it's I know what I'm getting every night, I, I know what I'm getting for, from Spezza. And, yeah, Bourne, you mentioned that he's getting be, he's being put in advantageous spots, but they want him doing that advantageous spot role. And, and I feel like... Come playoff time. Gordon's getting that same those yeah. same zone right. starts and not the same Dude, results. 
Right. There, if if you had to bet on a depth guy coming up with a big goal in the postseason at this point, and your money wasn't on Spezza, you'd be nuts. He's the guy yeah. that's going to do it. Particularly seeing the Columbus series and seeing you know the how when the chips were down in the end, he yeah. seemed to be the only guy who made you believe something might happen mm-hmm. uh, for stretches of time. By the way, I love that we got to be here for the commentary on bouncers. I, I have yet to hear JD on bouncers before. Funny, whose who's take isn't that on bouncers? Who's like, you know, I think bouncers, they're really cool That's guys. And, uh, yeah, you they're... know who they hang out with? They hang out with referees. Bouncers yeah. and referees, it's the same <laughs> no. type of person. They get together. That's rude to to referees that's rude to referees that really is rude to referees why do people become bouncers just ask yourself it was like everyone's having fun at the bar and then there's these big guys who go like you know what i like to do i hit people and sucker punch them they do whatever i want and call the cops because you're drunk i can do what i want i hate bouncers uh, everyone hates bouncers. <laughs> Actually, the only good thing about not being able to go to the bar this last year has been never not seeing a bouncer and forgetting that they exist for a year. That's great. Thank you for that, <laughs> bouncers. So <laughs> back to the thing at hand, though, because I got off track with hating bouncers and loving Jason Spezza. They're the opposite spectrums of my life right now. Uh, the, Le- the Leafs needs. We keep going through the same cycle of going, well, what they need is a top six winger. And I still think it would be awesome if they could get Felino beside Tavares and Nylander. Someone that you trust a little bit more through these minutes. Yeah, it'd be awesome. But yeah, I do keep coming back to the same thing of the trust and the D-zone trust. And uh, I guess, is it less important if you get that winger and you can ask Tavares to do that, that job and that line to do that job and Nylander's just a part of it? Yeah, maybe it is. The I, I guess the thing that I think about right now is I'm looking around the league and I'm I'm trying to assess the Leafs versus not the teams that they're playing this season so far. And, you know, this team wants to win a Stanley Cup. They don't want to, as much as coming out of the North would be amazing and some people would call that a success, that's not, you know, the big picture here. If you look at the other teams, like, are they better than Tampa Bay? Like, no. No, they're not. And Tampa has a lot of guys that kind of have that – you know, they made those trades for Goodrow and Coleman, and they, they've got a little bit more weight in guys like even Yanni Gord, smaller guys who work hard, and Braden Point has grit. Anyway, not going to go through every roster, but Vegas and Colorado, they better than them? Uh, I'm not sold. You know, like, our, where is this team? And, and so, to me, it's not like I want to see them fill in a spot that they're a little bit better defensively. And, like, it's – I. I think to win a Stanley Cup this year, they have to do something more substantial. My worry is, and I don't know if I made this clear earlier, but I definitely did a text to you, JD. My worry is that they're going to worry about this goaltending thing. They're going to end up with Linus Allmark and Derek Grant, and it's not going to be enough beyond the North Division. So unless they get told that Freddie Anderson could be done for the season, I think you have to roll the dice. You, you, you do ju- like you cannot go out and spend cap dollars or assets or anything along those lines to get a goaltender that genuinely might not be that much better than Michael Hutchison, right? Because Hutch has won a bunch of games behind this team and no one feels good about that and absolutely nobody wants to see him in a playoff game. Oh my God. Uh, to have this Leafs team play this way in the Canadian division and 
if they battle down the stretch and hold down first place and we all agree that they're conclusively the best team in the North and then all of a sudden Michael Hutchinson's in net, then, then I think I actually have to stop rooting for the Leafs and watching them because I know they're cursed and that <laughs> it's just a, it's, I, it's a sunk, I got to get out of this industry. I got to, you know, yeah. I got to do like the, what's that movie with Jacqueline Phoenix where he just gets on a boat and disappears? The Master. I just have to live a life like that where I'm just out in the world and join a cult and who knows, but I'm, I'm out on the Leafs because <laughs> Michael Hutchinson is a bridge too far. But I, I think you have to do it. You have to just say that this sucks, but you already traded your seventh defenseman for a goaltender. And if he can't give you a pinch start somewhere down the stretch here or be the fourth goaltender on your team, then what were you doing making that trade in the first place? I, right. I, I just don't know how you could justify anything else. And I certainly don't think that the upgrade they would get would make me feel what? 10, 15% more confident than what they have in Hutchinson. Yeah. Well, and then th- there's also something else with this conversation, which I think has changed that maybe over the past week is like, I didn't feel like Jack Campbell was someone I would even want as the guy. You know, I, I've been team Freddie. We've had a lot of team Freddie talk on this. I didn't know that he would be the guy I'd be comfortable going ahead with. I think I'm getting there. Like if he's comfortable, I think I'm, I'm okay. comfortable rolling that dice. Yeah. Ben, you, you want to go wanna, here? Wanna... Because... I, I I have a admission I would like to make. Uh, I would oh, like okay. to officially make an admission. You were gonna, you're going to come to my uh, side of the street where uh, uh, Freddie Anderson's last start, I said there was no goaltending controversy because it's Jack Campbell's job until he loses it, which he hasn't done yet. He hasn't even lost a game. You want to come to that side of the street? Is that what you're going to yes, say? Yes, yes. I, I would like to <laughs> Can we come be, over? <laughs> I, I would like to be my overly reactionary self, as I always am, and overreact to Jack Campbell's play as of late. Um. Yeah, what is is now eight games or is it nine? Yeah, I think it's eight now. Okay. Who cares? I have positioned myself as someone who thought Freddie Anderson gets an opportunity to, to keep his net. Not to win it back, but to keep it. I don't believe that's the situation anymore. I thought that, hey, no amount of wins or no amount of play or whatever Jack Campbell was going to do, that they would tell Freddie Anderson he wasn't going to have the net when he came back and that it wasn't his to lose and that he had to play well and that there was going to be a lot of pressure on him, but that that pressure was going to be a positive. And you were really going to get to find out when he came back if he could handle it or not, knowing that his job security was tenuous at best. Jack Campbell's just locked in when he's playing right now. He looks phenomenal. And he's coming up with not just big saves. The team really does seem to play differently in front of him. And that's been used as an excuse for Freddie Anderson defenders like myself saying, hey, well, when Jack Campbell gets in net, they play a little differently. So who cares? That's the If that's the ultimate byproduct, then it's working for you anyways. I... I think Freddie Anderson could still play a factor for this team. I still think he could be playing in playoff games, especially considering that Jack Campbell has this leg thing that's really lingering. But also, there's got to be something to the fact that this guy is playing hurt and he's going out there and he's giving you your all every single night. He's making athletic saves and he's diving across the crease and he's playing his ass off that the guys in front of him know he's dealing with whatever it is he's dealing with. They want to keep as much pressure off of him as they can. They seem to be playing harder because they know there's a guy behind them that is has this mental fortitude and is giving them that energy. And Bourne, you should speak to this more than anything, but that is a part of hockey culture that 
or sports culture in general is if you have a guy gutting it out on your team and playing through something and performing, it's kind of hard to dog it. It's kind of hard to be the guy who says, well, I'm not giving it my all tonight. They, they seem to have that going with this team, like a bunch of guys who like a bit of an all for one. They like each other. And Campbell is mm-hmm. obviously, uh, you know, the, the team's golden retriever that everyone loves to give head scratches to and love on all the time. So, yeah, having the golden retriever with the hobbled paw out there still working his tail off. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're right. They, they're e- the three legged dog who's still <laughs> yeah. doing it. Yeah, you can't le- can't hang the three legged dog out to dry. So, you know, maybe that's an element of it. And, you know, we talked about this a, a little bit that like Freddie looked at times this season, not necessarily slow, but like he j- just not dynamic. And like, it's interesting watching Campbell and being like, Oh, that's what it looks like post to post, like getting across the crease with that pop and that energy. And uh, you know, it, it, it has changed how I feel about the goaltending situation that I feel like he's a really talented athlete. And that's, that's something you haven't seen leaves crease here yeah. for, I don't know, last year or so. Just he's entertaining. Bubble wrap. Yeah. yeah. He's entertaining. Yeah, bubble wrap. He's fine. Again, goaltending is not for everyone. And for, I, I don't know, maybe most hockey fans, they just say, just stop the puck and that's all I care about. But no, he's like, Freddie's all positional and he's huge and he's got the massive pads, the massive equipment. It's Jack Campbell's a different kind of animal. That's just like an exciting goaltender that you get to watch in net. And yeah, he, he reminds me of goaltenders from the early 2000s more than he reminds me of goaltenders from right now. Yeah, and you know I've I said this last week on on the show that I think he looks small in the net, and that hasn't yeah, changed. He does. The fact that he has that like pop, you know, maybe that compensates for some of it. I just feel a little bit more like he could get the job done if he could stay healthy. I it's weird though, like even today or after the game last night, they asked about tonight for Campbell and Keith was like yeah we'll see and and I do know how that goes with like the sports science team the health team like Keith will show up to work today and he will say can he go and they'll say well we'll talk to him when he comes in whatever but like he genuinely won't know he's like as in the dark about this as we are so I, I don't know what's going on Doesn't well I mean good. if there's any doubt and we talked about this a little bit off the top of the show if there's any doubt he should be again put in the bubble wrap and if it's double v that has to start today on the the back end of back-to-backs or hutch gets a back-to-back start or he starts for two straight weeks he's this team's number one goaltender or the rest of the regular season until like the final week if you can get these two healthy or at least one of the two in a spot where they're as close to 100 percent, that's what you have to do because You're securing oh, you're your right. spot. The the points have already been made about this team. There's nothing left to prove in this regular season to me that if you have a chance to get these goaltenders healthy, you have to take that opportunity. Yes. Uh, ben, as you were talking, I just see the Ot- Ohani, Otani, Otani highlights on in front oh, of me. Yeah. And uh, can he play goal? My God. Uh, anyway. No, he's also a band-aid. That's the thing. He's going <laughs> to oh, get hurt, hurt in two days. Yeah. No, enjoy. Dude, Shohei Otani had the, one of the most exciting baseball games potentially in the – actually, maybe in the history of baseball. I don't know. Sure. There's he's It's up there, what he just did. The guy yep. st- was a starting pitcher who threw 100, and then he hit uh, just a uh-huh. massive home run to start the game. <laughs> and – well, yeah, exactly, and he's going to enjoy it. Enjoy those highlights because oh. you get, like, maybe five more games of that before it's, <laughs> hey, Shohei's on the DL, and you'll never see him again. Maybe that's what we got Jack Campbell here. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but but either way, it's um, just hoping I'm with you guys, though, that, like, if you got to go with double V or hotch back-to-back here, you kind of got to do what you got to do. V. 
I know, double V. Let's let's see what he's got. Remember last year when uh, Hutch was so bad, they're like, maybe Kaskasuo? And then the yeah. Penguins yeah. scored oh, 14 I remember on because, him. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, this was fun. Babcock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a ways back. Yep. All right. Uh, more with Justin Bourne as uh, Good Show's Leafs Hour continues. Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right. Let's not ignore the biggest thing to look for in these final games of the Leafs. By the way, it's a Good Show's Leafs Hour. Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus, and Justin Bourne. Biggest thing would be, you know, this once vaunted power play with all the skill in the world maybe getting on track at some point. It's now an 0 for 28 skid. It's been abominable. And there's no silver lining to it. I know they've had, I think the quantity of shots from high danger has been good. They haven't hit the net with any of these things. And Wayne Simmons is back. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you do to that number one unit. You split it up. You load it up. Nothing's working for this team. Bourne, fix the power play, please. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here to help. Well, the um, the debate is pretty simple. It's do you load up the, the, the first unit with the, the best players and then have a PP2, uh, which is significantly weaker? Or do you try to have two even units? Almost every team in the NHL now has concluded that the best thing to do is to have a elite number one power play unit because they're going to play more than a minute. They might play 90 seconds um, and then just sort of have a second PP unit and hope you get something out of it. The Leafs, at the start of the season when they were red hot, you know, Manny Maholcher took over the power play. They went with two units. So to take it back a little bit further... The Leafs had been a team that was using all their top guys on the the top unit. Uh, They go into Columbus uh, for that uh, series in the summer, and they think their power play let them down. They go 2-for-13 with all the the five guys on the ice, that being Nylander, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and Riley. 2-for-13, they felt like they didn't have a net front presence. They've reached the conclusion now that they need net front presence. Uh, that's going to be Wayne Simmons on that first unit now. So they've gone with Marner, Tavares, Matthews, Simmons, and Riley. So Simmons there instead of Nylander. And then Hyman is on the other unit with Nylander, Spezza, Thornton, and Muzzin. I, I don't know about that. Where do, where do you guys sit on the loading up the unit versus having a net front, front presence? So at this point to me, it's very clear that you load up. It's tough because clearly Keith hates the idea of having both centers together or somebody hates the idea of having both centers together. But this gets back to the same thing of no Kerfoot being a dependable third line guy, which is like everything to me always comes back to that, which is Toronto does not have a third center that they trust. They just don't. And so when the power play concludes and you've got two guys out there for the majority of the, the power play time, they don't like the prospect of putting the someone else out there that they don't really trust. Okay, so go out and get another guy because you need to load this power play up. You need to make sure it works. My my, okay. So uh, we can debate the whether or not they should have a loaded up unit and all that and all whatever. It to me, I actually have two different questions about the power play. One is, are we creating a problem? Clearly, this stretch is awful, right? Like, this is a bad stretch where they're not performing. O of 28 is unacceptable for any unit, nonetheless one with this much talent. But it feels like the last three seasons we've been harping on the same thing. The power play should be better. The power play should be better. The power play should be better. And you go back and you look. Leafs, the last three seasons, have been sixth, fifth. And this year, even with this stretch, they're eighth. And yeah, that coincides with an incredible stretch of play at the beginning of the season. But... Sometimes I just wonder if the 
what's happening here is that people look at their players on this team and know that it's so top-heavy cap-wise that they're essentially expecting a team to score at a rate that is not uh, a real rate. Then the next part of me goes, well, why shouldn't it be? Why shouldn't they be first? Why shouldn't they be second? Shouldn't this be actually a bit of a disappointment? And if we're looking at areas for improvement, it should be this. Like, how much of it, Warren, do you actually believe is it's we're in Toronto and we're focusing on these things a little too granularly? Or is it actually, why is it that it does feel us leaving as though there is something left off the table each year? I will say, I love the idea of just being like, yeah, they're eighth in the NHL in power play percentage at the tail end of one of their worst runs. Exactly. Um, You you know, and you can't tell me that after 10 games, they're, you know, 10 more games from now, that that power play won't have had some success and probably climbs up from eighth. Like, it it is. They'll probably finish top five again. They'll they'll finish top five again. Yeah, and it is. It is a little bit of an overreaction to say that there's something drastically wrong. Like, with that much talent, they're probably going to be just fine. Uh, don't overthink it. I, I, you know, the one thing I would tweak is they have Simmons on that first unit, and the idea is that he has, you know, these great hands and tight. But, like, for me, Zach Hyman, he's already playing with Marner and Matthews, so it keeps things simpler on the bench to put him out there. Go Hyman over S- Simmons. He's going to help you on puck retrievals, entries. You know, after you you shoot the puck, he's going to you know get you the puck back with rebounds. I just think they should keep Hyman out there more. I mean, the guy's you know been scoring at a thirty goal pace for God knows how long now, so uh, his hands can't be that bad. So I'd like to see that change. But I'm to to the point you're making. I do not think this is some crisis that something major has to happen. Like get Morgan Ryan off the power play or something. And he's not the best power play defenseman in the world, but uh, they're they're just fine there. It, it is gonna, you know the one thing that I think we did a good job at this year. No one overreacted when the Leafs had a run of games where they lost. Mm-hmm. Like this power play, this power play is one thing where you know you, people seem to be freaking out about it a little bit. The one time I've seen the Toronto market keep their heads was during the, the, that recent losing stretch where everyone's kind of like, no, they're still the best team in the division. Yeah. And then they come back and they win six, or they're six zero and one in their last seven. Uh, so I, I think f- fans feel pretty confident about this group in general. Well, ultimately, what can you do, right? You play the skilled players, and I know you can run different plays, and you can try and funnel more pucks towards the front of the net. You can try and get deflections. You can shoot more. You can look for one-timers. Your skilled players just have to play with skill, and they have to carry yeah, over their no, play. The way they're entering the zone is, I think, the biggest thing of fan consternation. That's a frustration. Yeah, that is a frustration. that's it. It's it's the zone entries, Ben. Yeah, and... You know what? They were entering the zone pretty well early on in the season. They've come up against some pretty aggressive uh, penalty kills, and that's been a point of frustration is that the penalty kill knows that your power play is playing with such little confidence. They can be a little bit more aggressive uh, with you. So, okay, would you advocate for more dump and chase then, Bourne, instead of trying to carry it in the way they have with the drop passes? Well, that's something that, you know, Hyman um, would would help with, right? If he just did kind of a soft chip type of thing and go in, get after the puck, and, and try to get it back. The, the one thing I know about uh, Sheldon is so they have, you know, a couple of different power play options, and the players are at sort of at their discretion to use what they want to do. Um, you know, they their standard one, you know, the double drop that you see a lot, or just the single drop. But then they they have one where they just call it like four go which is just go. Like, if you feel like you've got some pace and you can attack, go for it. And they have so much skill, whether it be Marner's carrying the puck or Matthew's carrying the puck, Riley carrying the puck. 
I don't really care. I feel like those guys can beat a player or two and just get inside that line and start trying to gain possession. Like sometimes it takes them 20 seconds to to set up the drop or they'll beat a guy and then they'll pass it back to the drop guy. Like they dangle them, then that guy has to beat the guy they just beat. So sometimes I just like to see them simplify a little bit, trust their talent, and just say, let's just go get it in the zone and, uh, and sort it out from there. So... I actually have a couple of theories, but I feel like I should put on the tinfoil hat when I reveal some of them with what's going oh, on boy. here. <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> because some of them, feel, when I say them, I know when I say some of these things out loud, they're going to sound nuts. And I, I'm just, I'm not a enough of an expert to make some of these these calls. But I go back to what I said before. Okay, is the problem as bad as it's made out to be sometimes? No. Because when you look at the greater picture, ultimately it's a successful unit that ends up in the top six every year. Then I look at it and go, though, mm, okay, that's good. And But that's kind of the baseline of what you have here with the players that you have. That's the bare minimum that you can be. Because if you were actually where you are right now, eight, and then threatening to fall, say, even further back, and you're outside of the top ten, and you're paying this much cap space for that much offensive firepower, and they are not top ten, or they are not top five... I don't think it's a disaster, but it's certainly a failure. There's also something where the team clearly believes it's been an issue over the last couple of years because guess what they've done? They've tried to reconfigure it multiple times. They're not Washington or Tampa where they go, this is what we're doing, and we're happy with it, and we're going to trust the process. And if you're a fan of this team, do you really feel like the things that we're saying right now, which are, hey, um, don't worry, it'll eventually level out. I don't really have that feeling. I feel like it'll level out in the sense of they won't go 0 of 28, but I don't have this overwhelming confidence that all of a sudden they're going to be dominant again. Do you guys? Like, let me just simply ask you that. There's uh, something that's that's missing, right? Like, there is yeah. something here that, that you we can't – we all struggle to put our fingers on, and they've brought in multiple professional power play experts to try to put their finger on, and it's still – like, there's a little bit of wanting more. The, the, the weird thing for me is, like, some of this went wrong during Austin Matthews' wrist ish issues. Yes. Where, you know, okay, he, we can't – Matthews was the big force that everyone was worried about on the defensive side of thing. Then they just to get him on the power play, they had him in the bumper spot, and he wasn't as dangerous when he wasn't even in the bumper spot. And, like, it just didn't feel like he was the engine that drived the fear, which opened up things for other players. So – you know, I guess that's where I start. Like, if Matthews gets back to shooting a few in on the power play, I think everything opens up for everyone else and they do better. So maybe trying to find him some better looks. I don't know. Right now it just feels like it's not working for him. Like, Ovechkin has so little to do with the, the Capitals' power play until he shoots it in the net, yeah. which is what makes it so effective. Matt Matthews handles the puck a lot and tries to figure out where it should go from there. And, and maybe he needs less touches until it's shooty-shooty time. That's just where I'm at with it right now. And this is the conspiracy theory hat stuff that I'm going to get to is it starts with that is it doesn't really feel like there's the one thing that the power play does. It's just outside of, I would say, Mitch Marner handling the puck a lot and you're hoping that he's creating for other people. But it's not even as the people always say, hey, you don't want to have a power play that's predictable. And I think that the zone entries and the way that they try to get them are too predictable. And that's an actual problem. But when it comes to 
maximizing the things that make you most threatening or feeling as though your power play has an identity. I just don't feel that. I don't feel as though the Leafs power play has an identity. I did when it was Austin Matthews ripping shots and them simply saying this whole power play is to try to get Austin Matthews clean looks at the net. Cool. That works. Lately, it has felt as though it's just sloppy and there's a little bit of lack of an effort and the extra conspiracy theories one by the way is and this is obviously unfounded and things but I do wonder sometimes how it is your I would say less hard working players sometimes uh, like if you don't put Zach Hyman out on these units or the softer players and I don't mean that to be hey uh, awful just that that's the thing that comes with skill players sometimes and that with this group when they face guys where it's four but the four are the team's toughest guys and they're penalty killers that every once in a while they can just kind of get outwilled in these units yeah i mean no right <laughs> you know like fine I, I, <laughs> no but like I, I hold on to jd's point to uh, jd's point there is some credence to the idea that power uh, plays get outworked that power plays take you know Time off, yada yada. But in general, no. Like this team is going to, they're a great power play unit, and just like a lot of units, that effort and hustle is superseded by their ability to play and score, and it, it'll be fine. As it should be, and as yeah. I believe it will be. I just see a lot of power plays where the lack of urgency is almost to a degree understandable, but it, it feels like some of those. You know, this this season has been very much, hey, they're not really the old Maple Leafs because they battle differently and they play more consistently and you know what the effort level is going to be and the way they play in front of their goaltenders and the maturity and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But every once in a while I watch the power play and it reminds me of the Leafs teams of seasons past where it's almost like, hey, we're taking this for granted because we know eventually we're going to get it and then you yeah. don't. And then you're 0 for 28. Well, I think they think that too, which is why they're like, all right, we're doing the net front thing. This is, by the way, not like a right now, here's what we're trying thing. They have said that they're going with two units. They have said that they want a net front presence. Like they are going to prioritize this. And I think it's because of what you're talking about, where sometimes they look at it and they just go, they see five guys passing it around the perimeter and then someone shoots it and it gets blocked and goes down the ice. And then, that you know, there's not that sort of, element to it that is the grit and grime and battle at the front of the net. So I think they want to keep that element and that should, in theory, open up a little bit of space for the guys on the flanks to maybe get another step closer to the net when they're shooting the puck. Well, and Sheldon Keefe says, or at least he's uh, pontificating, that it's a consistency thing. That the mad scientist and the mixing up of the units and one unit, two unit, that that's been maybe too confusing or it's eliminated some of the chemistry. So it looks like mm -hmm. they're going to do this thing where they just ride this out for I guess as long as possible, maybe the rest of the season. That that's, that's part of it. That there's just too much mixing and matching. That there has not been enough extended periods of time, even going through slumps, where guys haven't been able to be on the power play together for extended stretches and create that chemistry. Yeah, and I like that as a theory. I do. Um, you know, it sounds you like a coach trying to take blame, though. You think so? Yeah. Well, those guys play together a lot. It's really hard for me to like. Oh, Matthews and Marner are really having trouble finding yeah. chemistry when there's one less guy on the ice. Those are the two guys that are touching the puck all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are we talking about here? That's 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 actually a really good point. Like, just taking a bullet for <laughs> yeah. for the boys there. Yeah, you know it's ugly. But like, yeah. I, I also I don't love the idea of like nailing yourself down to here's what we're doing from now on and nothing's going to change. As I said, I already feel like get Zach Hyman out there keeps it a little bit simpler. But, mm -hmm. uh. 
that's a uh, yeah. Sometimes you got to be a shield for the boys, I guess, and roll yourself out there. Way to go, Sheldon. But if that was true, it would lead into the idea that this power play is going to be fine either way. And he's like, yeah, the skill. It, it, eventually, we're going to be back to top five. We just keep doing things the same way. But again, it will be fine. It's mm -hmm. not about fine with that unit. It's supposed to be great. This is right. the this is the whole discussion here. It is that be it's great. always been fine and it will be fine. But will it be great? We've seen flashes of it be great, but for the last three seasons where they've had this abundance of talent, where they've had John Tavares and they've had Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, there has been not enough great. And that's it, is where it keeps coming back to the same thing, where you're going, well, I don't believe it's the consistency of playing with the guys thing. Well, Bourne says no about the compete level thing sometimes that you have to have them a power play. Okay, fine. Then at some point, it's the personnel and that there's a little bit of a flaw with somebody somewhere because it should be better. We can all agree that these are some of the best players in the NHL and that there's five of them that you can put together yeah. that should be as good as any five in, man, straight up the and history of a, hockey. It's not but, a process results thing, too, because the process has been bad. It's not like they've been shut true. down by some incredible post-to-post uh, -post saves. If you're listening to this, I know there are people judging by my Twitter mentions going, it's Riley, it's Morgan Riley. Like, if you have, I don't know, who's got, who do you think is a bomb? Like, I don't know, Shea Weber, I don't know, I like Tori Krug as somebody who shoots yeah. it on the power play. Like, if you have a bomb up there, that's another option, it's one thing, but like, you know, sure. Riley isn't a big threat out there. Like, he's a dis distribution machine, he's a good hockey player, he is not the most threatening power play defenseman. Sure, okay, but... What year is this? Because I thought we were – Who's what power play is centered around a defenseman anymore? Like, the last one I can remember anyways was PK, where they said, okay, Subban is going to be the guy where we're trying to funnel this thing through. Like, Toronto hasn't had a blue line where it's supposed to be a bomber from the point since McCabe. And the one that they had last year where – remember when Tyson Berry came in? It was, oh, man, Tyson Berry now. This is a guy who's got a shot. He's got a clapper. He's not going to be afraid to shoot. Guess what? He was, he was shooting too much. And so if you get a defenseman back there that's taking shots, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to be pissed off that Austin Matthews isn't taking shots. Like, yeah. uh, that shouldn't be the power play when you have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and William Nylander and John Tavares. I'm sorry. It just – I, Morgan Riley might not be ideal right now, and I would say if he's not, then that's a, another discussion because, hey, you got to be maximizing your value on all offensive things, Morgan Riley, because you're not maximizing them with decision-making or defense sometimes. But, boy, um, that just seems People reductionist. People frustrated with Mo, aren't they? They're getting frustrated with Riley a little. Hey, guess what? This is this is the market. We talked about it with John Boy the other day. Is this Yankees? Uh, you had John Boy blog. on, yeah. Yeah, so we we were talking to John Boy, and he brought up how Stanton has had years where he hit like 27 home runs and OPS over 900 with the Yankees, and people still want to complain about him because that's being a fan of a legit market, right? Is there are fans who always want more and expectations are high. And, and irrational hate. And irrational, also. right? Yeah, you're a fan and you just want to bitch and moan about something. But the Leafs have been really good this year. There's not a lot to complain about. Freddie Anderson's been hurt, so guess what? Someone else is going to take ire. <laughs> Bo, it's you're just, up. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to, it's what it's, This is just being a sports fan. You need somewhere to funnel frustrations. And so a Morgan Riley poor decision that ends up in a 2-1-1 the other way that goes in the back of your net, it's going to be a... It's gonna. It's what? What else? If we did whipping boy power rankings, who else? Like Kerfoot's on the fourth easy, line. To be honest. Yeah. What? <laughs> I say they more, all do. 
Yeah, Dude, he gets it pretty th- easy in this market. This I, this market is hilarious. It, it's just everyone thinks it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's hard for hockey because people actually cover the team. <laughs> but it's not hard <laughs> for sports. If you watch other sports and you follow what the coverage is of some of these teams in uh, different – go look at how teams are covered in German soccer or how they're covered in – New York City with the Yankees. It's just ridiculous that people cry foul about how people criticize guys on this team. These guys are beloved, and they've not even won a playoff series. They've won zero playoff series for the biggest hockey team on the planet, and people go, they're the best all the time. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) you know. No sympathy to be found here. Yeah, just relax with this stuff sometimes. Anyways, I, I, I just keep coming back to the same thing, which is, it's just something that they really have a tough time identifying, but there seems to be something that just doesn't quite pass the smell test with the power play and multiple coaching staffs and multiple coaches and multiple players have been cycled through here trying to figure out how you unlock it from it's, it's a really good power play. It's a, it's a really good power play to why isn't it a great power play? Why isn't it something where it's supposed to quote unquote be the enforcer that people have said it's right. supposed to be for the last three years. No, it's yeah. uh, it's it just the potential does, seems bigger than the outcomes all the time. Yep. The start of the season, it felt like, all right, they found it. So this has been a, a frustrating str- a spell here. Yep, uh, they're supposed to be the Globetrotters when they go five on four. Uh, Borny, <laughs> great stuff as always, buddy. Talk next all week. All right, guys. It sounds good. Like thanks tweets, a lot. The good, good radio stuff. But the yeah, tweets. good radio. Just stay yeah. off the Twitter machine because it hasn't worked out very well for you.